Serendipity. When was the last time that you personally experienced serendipity? Serendipity is defined in the literature, in the literature being Google. <laughs> serendipity is defined by the Google literature as being something good that happens to you accidentally. You weren't planning on it, you weren't working for it, you weren't thinking about it, it didn't come about because of your efforts, but something good happens to you without your preparing for it, it happens accidentally. The classic example of serendipity is you wear an old coat, you haven't worn it in a while, and lo and behold, there's a $20 bill in your old coat, that's serendipity. Now, when you experience serendipity, something good happens to you. You didn't earn it, you didn't plan on it, you didn't work for it, you didn't pray on it, it just kind of happens by accident almost. It makes you feel good. Like it makes you feel like the sun is shining on this particular day. So here's my question. Is there anything we can do to make serendipity happen more often? Can we increase the amount of serendipity in our lives and the resultant good feeling that it can create? And I want to offer you two very different serendipity stories that can offer all of us two different levers for how to increase serendipity and the good feelings that it inspires. Here's the first story. It comes from Golden, Colorado. And the story is of a, of a young woman. Uh, she was in her 30s, and she was going blind, losing her vision. And her eye doctor said to her, they could do LASIK surgery, and that would dramatically restore her vision. The only problem was that LASIK surgery would cost $5,000. And she did not have $5,000. And so here she is going blind. There's a cure or solution, but she can't afford it. And that's where things stood. And then one day the phone rings, and it's a probate attorney. She doesn't even know what a probate attorney is, and she doesn't know the guy. And the probate attorney introduces himself as a lawyer who had represented her grandmother. And her grandmother had passed away four months earlier, at the age of 94. And the grandmother had left in her will a bequest to her granddaughter for $5,000 and left it with an instruction to please give this to my granddaughter with the instruction that she should use it in a way that would remind her of her grandmother. The probate attorney calls her and says, here's $5,000 if you can think of a use that will connect you to your grandmother. And the granddaughter takes this money, this $5,000, and uses it for the LASIK surgery, which, thank goodness, works her vision is dramatically improved, and she says, she wakes up every morning 
with 20-20 vision where she had been going blind, and every morning she not only thinks of her grandmother, every morning she thanks her grandmother. Now, here's my question to you, and this is like such a pivotal threshold question for how you go through life. Okay, you ready for the question? This is a pivotal question for how you go through life. How do you see all of the events that happened here? That is, the grandmother who is 94 and writes a will and gives $5,000 to the granddaughter, and the granddaughter needing this money, and the probate attorney calling after the grandmother had died saying, here's the money, and the granddaughter using the money for the LASIK surgery. Now, one way to read it is it's just random. Each of these things happens. There's no particular mystery here. Uh, 94-year-old people, nobody lives forever. We heard from Millie and from Danny that not even Moses lives forever. And so 94-year-olds don't live forever. And it's a fashion of people who have resources to leave some for their children and grandchildren. And so this grandmother died and she left money and her granddaughter used it. What's, what's the issue? There's nothing mystical over here. This is all random stuff just happens. Rational stuff, random stuff. That's one read. But here's the question I want to ask you. Might you open yourself to the possibility of some mystery? Might you open yourself to the possibility of some mystery of a deeper connection? A um, couple of rabbis in, in our time have phrased it differently. Lawrence Kushner, who's a rabbi in Sudbury, he has this book called Invisible Lines of Connection. And is there some way that these different events are connected through invisible lines of connection? Or Joseph Soloveitchik, who is a great Orthodox rabbi in the 20th century, has this evocative imagery of God winking to us behind the clouds. Now, here's my question to you. Can you open yourself to the possibility of mystery, of mysterious connections, that there are things that could be explained as random, but could be explained as God winking behind the clouds or invisible lines of connection. And this kind of thing happens all the time. I'll give you a concrete example. One day, one of our fine members here was going to be taking an aliyah, like we just had uh, this morning, to mark the yort site of of uh, his father. And, um, and I just want to get this exactly right. This is hard to believe. His father's name is Murray. And as he's driving to Shul, he follows a really slow truck that's like very slow crawling. So the truck is crawling, and he's crawling, and the truck is crawling, and he's crawling. And he notices the sign on the truck, which is Murray's Plumbing and Heating Supplies. So he's going to say Kaddish and make an aliyah for Murray, his father. But as he's on the way to Shul, he's behind a, a slow truck, Murray's Plumbing and Heating Supply. Now, of course, you could explain that purely rationally. 
His dad's name was Murray. And there's a company called Murray's Heating and Plumbing Supplies, which, by the way, when I found this out, I Googled it, and the literature reflects that there is Murray's Heating and Plumbing. And so some guy from Murray's was driving on Commonwealth at the same time. That's just whatever, rational, random. But is it possible, in Hebrew, is it Fshar, is it possible that just at that moment, a yortzite from Murray following behind the sign, a truck that says Murray's Heating and Plumbing, that there could be an invisible line of connection, that there could be God winking to us behind the clouds. And here's my question to you. What would it do to your sense of the cosmos if we could ascribe meaning to what also might be just a coincidence? If you could see invisible lines of connection, what would that do to your sense of the universe? So that's one lever, being open to mystery and being open to an invisible line of connection. By the way, I'm not making the case that you have to believe it, that you reject the, ran that you reject the rational or the random. I'm asking you, can you hold the, the, the random and you're an arch-rationalist and also open the possibility that maybe there's something here I can't explain. And if you did, if you could be open to mystery you can't explain, what would that do to your sense of the cosmos? That I'm saying Kaddish for Murray, and I'm behind a truck that says Murray, maybe there's a connectedness here that is real. Okay, here's the second, here's the second story. Um, there was a podcast called Serendipity Stories. And this story is the first story that launches the podcast called Serendipity Stories. And just a sneak preview of coming attractions. I hate this story, and I love this story. I love this story, and I hate this story at the same time. So here's the story. It tells of a woman named Joanna Califatis who is the daughter of Greek immigrants to this country. She's born in America. Her parents are from Greece, which is a material factor in the story because they raise her with an emphasis not only on getting a good education, but getting a good education that will give you a practical job. Get an education that will give you a job. So in high school, she's drawn to the world of theater and drama and loves theater and loves drama and acts and she goes to college at Columbia in New York, and she would love nothing more than to major in theater and drama, but she has that voice of her parents rattling around in her brain, practical, practical, get a good practical job. So she studies, of course, economics. And she doesn't like it, it's not her, but okay, she takes it, practical. Her junior year, she goes to Cape Town, South Africa, for a junior abroad. And all of the stories on the Serendipity Stories podcast begin the serendipitous event the same way. It was an ordinary day when dot, dot, dot. It was an ordinary day when dot, dot, dot. It was an ordinary day when Joanna Califatis, junior from Columbia at Cape Town, is walking to her class and a guy who is a drunk driver driving a van 
runs into her. And what would follow from that is she's in a, a hospital in Cape Town for several months to try to get stabilized so that she could then fly from Cape Town back to the States. And then she's in a hospital in the States for several months. And then she's in a rehab for several months. And the end of the story is that she is able to walk again, and she keeps up with her class, and she goes to her Columbia graduation. She graduates on time, and she's able to walk to get her degree. Now, if this is serendipity, who needs it? What a horrible story. A young woman goes and gets mauled by a drunk driver. If this is serendipity, what a horrible story. Who needs it? Except there's just one thing. When Joanna Califatis thinks about her life, she thinks that this horrible event, this awful event, was responsible for changing the trajectory of her life entirely for the better. Because before this accident, she was living her parents' life, the life that her parents wanted her to live. And then once this happened, she realized how tenuous is our existence, how here today, potentially gone tomorrow, how fragile we are. And therefore, she realized when she came out of this accident, I have to live the life I want to live, not the life my parents want me to live. And therefore, she changed her major to drama and theater. She was so much happier studying drama and theater. And ever since she graduated Columbia, she has made her living as an actress in Los Angeles. And she's very happy working and living as an actress in Los Angeles. And she says it never would have happened except for this accident. Now, she never would have picked getting mauled by a drunk driver off the menu. Nobody would. But here's the thing. Nobody gets to pick off the menu of life. What we get to do is to interpret the entrees that land on our table. She didn't pick it, but once it happened to her, she decided that she was going to um, use it for the good and draw some positive impact and grow and change as a result of it. And the question is, when hard stuff lands on our desk, the hardest stuff, the stuff we never would have picked ever, ever, is there some way that we can interpret it and reinterpret it so that it has a positive impact on our lives? And the whole Joanna Califatis story helped me understand a piece of Jewish wisdom that I had never been able to understand or to do. Namely, there's a teaching from the Tractate Brachot that we are supposed to thank God for the bad things that happen to us just as we thank God for the good things that happen to us. And I always thought, that's impossible, that's not attainable, that's not real, who would do that? Not for me. It's a piece of the Jewish tradition that does not resonate. Thanking God for the bad just as much as we thank God for the good. But then Joanna Califatis taught me that maybe what the Mishnah is saying is, don't let anything go to waste. Especially, don't let our hardest pieces of adversity go to waste. Take our hardest pieces of adversity and redeem it 
and mine from it something that will make your life better, that will make your character stronger. So here is the second serendipity move, which is to realize life is not just what happens to us, it's what we do about it. We need to own our own life. So I want to come back to my orienting question. If any of us wears an old coat and you find in the old coat a $20 bill, that's easy serendipity, but that's just completely something that is accidental. And our question is, is there, do we have any agency here? And I think we have two pieces of agency. One is the agency of interpretation, that I'm going to be open to mystery. I'm going to be open to connectedness. I'm going to see the $5,000 that my grandmother left me and the $5,000 that I need. I'm going to see the fact that I'm honoring my father, Murray, and I'm driving behind a truck that's Murray's. I'm going to see a certain connectedness. I'm going to be open to it in a way that makes me feel like, hey, there's more to this world than meets the eye, and some of it I can't even understand, but I want to acknowledge it. And we also have the agency of attitude, that when hard stuff happens, we have the agency that allow us to learn, to grow, to tweak, and to somehow become better as a result of events we never would have picked off the menu. We may or may not find $20 bills in our pocket, but we will experience a universe with greater connectedness, greater resilience, and greater hope. Shabbat Shalom.